Welcome back, everyone, to another Guiding Light podcast. As always, I'm your host, Captain Shane, and this podcast, I've got Eric with me, and he and I did Iceland together for 10 days two years ago. So, Eric, welcome. Hey, nice to to see you again. And just so you know, if you raise your hand, they can't actually see you (laughs) waving. You know that, right? Okay, fair (laughs) enough, fair enough. So we're going to sit here and we're going to talk about Iceland. I'm going to give you a few caveats. First off, do not take our pronunciation of anywhere as the actual way to pronounce it. Icelandic words are about 50,000 consonants long and we're going to do our best, but it's not going to be accurate. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I don't have a clue how to pronounce any of them. But the good news is in Iceland, I think we met the only lady that doesn't speak English in the entire island when we went and had at lunch that, that one day. At that restaurant, yeah. So the good news for everyone out there is they do speak English very well. The entire country is only about 350,000 people. It's one of the smallest countries to have their own money. And everybody speaks English. They teach it in the school so we had no problem communicating would you agree yep it was easy everybody was easy to talk to just that one lady that ran a restaurant she we had some difficulty communicating <laughs> but i found that kind of fun i mean it was fun point it was... In, in sign language and whatever that you have to do in a lot of other locations i think she enjoyed it too it was fun yeah so before we go what we're going to do is we're going to kind of I think we're going to basically go through my photos that I have and we're going to just reminisce about our trips and give you little stories and that type of thing. But before we do that, Eric, do you have any favorites, least favorites, advice, anything overall type of viewpoint for everyone? For the for Iceland? Yeah, not for Missouri. Probably. If you go do it, don't do just the golden circle. Do the whole circle. Go Go around the whole island. It's worth it. And what he means by the golden circle, right outside the capital of Reykjavik, is a one-day-long tour that hits uh, some waterfalls, the uh, fault line between North America and European tectonic plates. There's a geyser there. All this, so it's a really, it's a really condensed viewpoint of the nature beautiful nature aspect of Iceland and it's right there out of the capital and so everybody does that and what we ended up doing is we did do the golden circle at the end but we rented a car and we drove all the way around the ring road around Iceland for 10 days yeah it was a lot of driving but it was it was gorgeous all the way around there wasn't anything underwhelming about it it was all beautiful well, I kind of joke around that, you know, people tell me, how, how can it be that beautiful? And I'm like, you know, when we saw our 125th waterfall and we start going, ah, whatever, it's another waterfall and you're taking waterfalls for granted. Yeah. That is a beautiful island. Yeah. Everything, all the landscape was so dramatic. And there was, I remember one time, one day on a drive, there was at no point where a waterfall would drift out of sight when there'd be another waterfall coming up on you. So you had waterfalls within eyesight the entire drive. Yeah, I agree. And so the first day we showed up, I actually arrived and Eric didn't. Any stories on that, Eric? Something about, did they, 
oversell the tickets or something? Or I thought it was a mechanical thing. Was it a mechanical thing? I didn't even make it to the airport. Yeah. Whatever no. it was, I didn't make it to the airport. And yeah, I got delayed 24 hours, but they gave me some money out of the deal. <laughs> so that's he didn't share any of that with me, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> but so during my first day while I was waiting for Eric, I went ahead and explored Reykjavik and went and saw. The thing about Iceland is up until World War II, it was a very poor country and everybody was farmers and fishermen. Reykjavik itself, up until 1900, only had about 10,000 people in it. So there are not a lot of historic buildings, but some of the things you should see in Reykjavik, I really enjoyed the church itself, and it had a statue of Eric Leif outside it that was actually a gift from America. I don't think I told you that at the mm -hmm. time. And it celebrated the 1,000th year anniversary of the Vikings uh, discovering Iceland so anyways that was a really cool little church and then they had the National Museum which was worth going to and you could see some artifacts some uh, books and artwork and that type of thing and then just walking around the town itself I really liked the well museum and they had a model, life-size model of every whale and dolphin that was ever found in Icelandic waters. And then that's pretty much what I did that first day and picked you up. And the first place we went was? Uh, we went to the Blue Lagoon. And we were both excited to see the Blue Lagoon until we saw the price and the timeline that they had for us, weren't we? Yeah, I guess because of its proximity to the capital, it's so commercialized and stuff. Very Disney-fied, I guess you could say. But it is, it, I don't know about worth it, but it is pretty spectacular. Yeah, it was really neat, the, the color of the water. It's a light blue because of... Well, and I call, it, I, I call it a milky, uh, milky blue is the color I describe it as and it's the geothermal plant that's nearby and so it's all the silica that's pumped through so Iceland has like the largest volume of volcanic activity of any area in the world and they pipe in that geothermal I don't know power and so all the silica comes out and that's what makes it this color oh yeah they they don't have water heaters Right. In Iceland. They yeah, have yeah. water coolers. Yep. Everything is geothermal. And so it all comes in and they blocked off certain areas. And this is a part that surprised me because I knew of the Blue Lagoon that it was all this beautiful water and it was all hot. You know, hot being like 105 or, you know, something like that. But it's only certain area that they've got blocked off by rocks that is hot and that's the part you go into. And then they have these huge fields of the same beautiful water, but it's like 34 degrees. I mean, yeah, it's, it's freezing. Cold. Yeah. And I've done some research, and what I found out is this silica material actually lines this area of the rock, and it makes it waterproof. So all this water can't go anywhere, so they have to keep building and, and finding new, essentially, leach fields to get that water to go anywhere. That's why it's so big. Ah, I didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. But we did love looking around, but we found out 
you need to, if you want to do it, it's 80 euros, and you have to have a reservation because we were there at, I don't know, like 10 o'clock in the morning or something, and they said the first time we could get in would be 11 o'clock at night, and you only get one hour. It's just that crowded, especially during the peak season, which we went to, which was June through August is the peak season. But anything else you want to say about that, Eric? Uh, talking about the them only having hot water and stuff, their their water did smell bad coming out of the faucet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> smell like you sulfur? Smell the, the sulfur in the water. That was kind of interesting. I would agree with you there. And but it's supposed to be good for you, so... Yeah, I'm thinking rubbing all over yourself, maybe not drinking. I don't know. I was preferring the bottled water, that's for sure. And a type of bread, they, well, I guess we can get back into the bread. No, go ahead, type of bread. They make a bread from vents. They've got the vents with the geothermal activity, and there's a certain type of bread they got there. You remember the name of it? No, I don't. I even forgot that they made the bread. But they make that bread by hanging it over those vents. Like and steam vents, bread or yeah, something. Yeah, steams it and makes it. That's right. We talked to someone, and they said... Traditionally, they also like buried pots of veggies and meat next to these steam vents, and it boiled it that way. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's 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 right. But so the Blue Lagoon, beautiful, and if you can't get to the northern part of the island, I think it is worth it. It's a once in a lifetime experience. But we found a place just like it on the north part of the island that we're going to talk about later. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely worth it to go up to the other place if you got time. So that's still the second day, your first day. That second day, you we had both come up with a list of places we want to see. And we came up with a couple places that we didn't tell each other about because we wanted to have a quote-unquote secret place to take the other person, you know, to kind of show off what we found, that type of thing. What did we learn about that? Uh, there's no place... Mm. There's no secret places in Iceland. Not really. one. Everybody, Everybody knows, knows about everything. Yeah. Unless and the secret places are so secret we didn't know about it. Well, yeah. Could be that. But a lot of it is because the island is relatively circular, and you come in, say, five miles, and there's a cliff that goes, and then, you know, the cliff is really high, and then you have the highlands up there. And not a lot of roads. If you had the money... It'd probably be worth it to get a high clearance vehicle because there's some back roads that we couldn't necessarily go on and we don't know what was back there, you know. Up in the highlands. I, yeah, I agree, highlands. but at the same time, in the 10 days that we went... Oh, man, we, we couldn't went, have asked for any more. We couldn't have asked for more. I feel like we saw everything that we would have seen up there. We just saw it down in the lowlands. Yeah. And anyway, so... What uh, Eric had, he came up with this, and I'm going to try to pronounce it, Reykladar. That's the name. That's how I'm going to say it's pronounced. All of these names you'll be able to find in my blogs. I'll put a link down below uh, this podcast, and I've got the travel videos that help show all this, show how it's spelled, and I get it a little closer to the pronunciation. But this was the thing you came up with. You want to describe what we did and... and how it was? Oh, it was just a hike basically up a stream. Uh, there were a lot of those geothermal vents, a uh, few little puddles with the geothermal. You could see the steam coming out of them along the hike. I call those mud pots. Boiling mud pots is what I call boiling them. Boiling mud pots. Yeah, there were spots where you could see the mud boiling. That was pretty neat. 
Um, but then along that stream, the stream gets heated up and there were spots you could actually get in the water and soak in the, the hot springs there. And we actually got in the water at some point and enjoyed the hot spring for a while. Now, a couple things that really stood out for me here was one of the first things we saw was a sting vent. That thing was loud. Do you remember that? Yeah. It, it, I mean, imagine like this, a tea kettle that is 20 feet across. That's this hole. And then the steam vent itself was, it had to have been a six inch wide hole that this steam was coming out. It was a lot of force. It's, and it was just whistling. And I mean, it sounded like a train coming through. Yeah, it's intense how much pressure there is. It's, yeah. I was impressed with the how loud it was. And then the stream itself, it was very warm and very popular. The whole thing all along the stream, like a mile long, you just kind of walk and, and you pick your spot because there's people are here, people are here, people are here. I mean, there was a lot of people and you kind of pick your own little spot, but it wasn't deep. I mean, what do you think? No, it was you a, had to lay down to get submerged in it. Yeah, Probably I think two it was foot deep. Maybe. I was going to say foot and a half, two foot, but it was a good... 95 100 degree water yeah it was comfortable it was it was nice smelled like eggs though yeah it smelled <laughs> bad. like all the water and then the other thing we saw our first waterfall there and we thought it was the most beautiful waterfall we could ever see not really by the end of the week we were going to see 125 of them or so and but every day we saw waterfalls and then we finished the day at Selenfoss. You, you want to give it a better shot to go with that Selenfoss. name? Something like that and beautiful area and this was one that I wanted to do for photography and you could actually get behind this waterfall so we saw everything we actually waited had dinner and waited until sunset which was like 11 o'clock at night in August because we are right up against the Arctic Circle. Yeah, and the the sunset sets where when you're behind the waterfall looking at the waterfall, you can see the sunset on the other side of the waterfall. So it makes for a pretty... That was pretty intense. I, yeah. It was beautiful. But right there, there was actually four different waterfalls all within not even a mile, maybe a kilometer, half a mile. And two of them, the one you could get behind was really awesome. And then two were just you know water falling off of a cliff you would think they were amazing somewhere in the middle of the united states <laughs> you would think exactly. they were amazing but compared to this dramatic landscape they didn't seem that impressive but the fourth one is what i want you to talk about because this was your favorite waterfall yeah this was probably one of my favorite spots the whole island there was a little key slot keyhole canyon you had to go through you could see the waterfall from the road but you couldn't see where it actually went down into so you had to go through this little slot canyon so it essentially it. had like rocks in front and then a hole and then rocks where the waterfall came off of and that's why you couldn't see it and that's what you're talking about off to the side is a little slot canyon right yeah and you go through the slot canyon to get to the bottom of the waterfall and it's still a huge water it's I don't know, 100 foot tall? Yeah, probably. They're all 100 foot tall. They're all intense waterfalls. But this one was neat because of the slot canyon. And when you actually turn around and look out, especially with whatever time we were there, was this before the sunset? This was, I'm thinking this was like six-ish at night. Okay, so six at night. 
right before the sun sets, the way the light hits the mist coming off the waterfall, you actually see rays of light running through that slot canyon, and it's just it's really mystical kind of it's and got really some neat. Uh, rainbows in there too yeah you'd see a lot of rainbows and stuff through that mist and it was just it was neat it was it was definitely different so we sat there and this was like i said this is our second day but this is only his first day so he's flown from missouri to minnesota twin cities and then to iceland and we did all this stuff and you were worn out yeah and we didn't have any hotel reservations which i'm not opposed to i thought it was great i know a lot of people want it but we camped everywhere and this you want to talk about camping and some of the places we camped and some of the things we did well it sounded like the rules were changing fast on camping and i don't know what they are now but if you're gonna go i would hurry up and go because it sounds like it's slowly becoming Disney-fied, commercialized again. But at the time, you could camp just about anywhere for free. A any public land you could camp on for, for free, basically. There weren't very many actual privatized campgrounds that you had to pay to go to. There were some. No, I, I think in the rules, I think what is happening is they're trying to get away from some of the things we did where we just kind of pulled off into you know this little turn-in type of thing into the grass yeah they just changed the rule where you could camp on anybody's land at one point right and people were camping everywhere on everybody's cattle fields and hay fields and everything so they've gotten rid of that and they made it to where you could just camp on public ground and i think they're trying to get it where it's just camping on actual campsites the private campsites where you got to pay and it's crowded you know, we still had some awesome places to camp that were just the public ground that nobody was there. We had the whole spot to ourselves, you know. One night we camped on this peak overlooking the ocean. Well, that was about the most dramatic spot we picked. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, that, I mean, you couldn't pick a more beautiful spot to camp. I mean, you're, you're I don't know, at least 50 feet in the air on a cliff that overlooks a black sand beach going out to the ocean. As, and the sun set right there, it was just an awesome place to camp. Now, some of the other places we camped were nothing to write home about. It was basically a couple of them. We were one, I know for sure, we were in a roadside um, stop off type of place, and we just kind of went to the corner of it and yeah. threw our bags on the floor. Basically, right of way. And then <laughs> another one was like a guy's driveway for his field that wasn't being used yeah i'm not sure that one was legal but <laughs> and so with all that said we I, didn't realize the rules had changed at that point yeah. it, it was later on that we found the rules saying that they got rid of the private land thing but the campsites themselves weren't bad and they weren't overly crowded i mean they were what you'd expect probably if you go to anywhere in america to any of the national parks it's going to be more crowded than those yeah. And they did provide the showers and, you know, sinks and usually had a little restaurant or something. And I don't remember the fees being too bad. I think each night was like $10, $15 each or something. Yeah, it was still pretty cheap for a campground. So, it's basically what you'd expect from a campground. So that's what we ended up doing at night. I know other people, my cousin has just gone and they did hotels. And if you're going to do hotels, you definitely want to book those months in advance to make sure but 
So anyways, that is our sum up of camping. The next day we started off with a place that I wanted to surprise Eric with and it was this airplane that had crash landed on this black beach and it's near the town of Vic, V-I-K. And what did you think about that airplane? It was neat. Uh, just out there on that beach, just didn't look like it belonged at all. Uh, the story behind it, I can't remember. The guy lived, I think. Well, it was a whole crew. It was a military plane. And and I don't remember the year. Let's Somewhere in the 70s, if I remember. And it crashed. And the reason it crashed is the pilot forgot to flip the switch to go from tank A to tank B. Yeah. And down crazy. they went. And it's been there ever since. The thing is completely stripped out. And the part I thought was funny, and we had directions, go here, go here, and you get to this one fence or this one gate, and the gate, and you know, the direction said the gate will be closed and walk four kilometers from here. We got there, the gate wasn't closed. Everybody was still parking right there and walking in, but we just said, screw it. If someone yells at us, they can yell and we'll turn back. But we drove the whole four kilometers in. Yeah, we were scared, but there was a drive going to it, like a like a gravel road going to it so we just did it and there was a driveway like a parking lot at the end so if i mean we had as we can tell it was okay yeah we didn't get yelled at once and i think we only had to walk like 200 feet over to it or something yeah there's a lot of people looking jealous at us on the drive as we drove past them well that might that's their fault that is their fault and you might have been better form if you didn't moon them as we went by them (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding he didn't do that. I'm just playing with him. But the airplane was really pretty cool, and you get some dramatic photos from it. I don't think you need to spend more than 20 minutes at it, though, do you? Yeah, that's probably about the extent of it. But you get the ocean on one side, and then you go get the dramatic cliffs on the other side. Yeah, and when we were there, it was kind of cloudy. So, you know, we had that gray-blue sky going that really added to the photos, too. But... It was a cool spot to go, but like I said, 20, 30 minutes at most for it. And then we went to uh, Saugafoss, which was a pretty cool little waterfall. And that was the one, do you remember we hiked up it on the side that had the stairs? That's not the biggest one. Like no, the most no, that's later on. Yeah, that's later on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember it now. Yeah, so... This is one we hiked Had up, and, there. and you can do a, like a 10 to 15 kilometer hike back into the highlands from this waterfall, but we chose not to because it was raining, and, and so we just saw the waterfall, climbed up to the top of it, and we hiked back, you know, probably a kilometer or so, and it was, you know, once you get up to the top of it, it was fairly flat up there, but we turned around and ended up going to the transportation museum right there in town which was a kilometer away or so from the waterfall and i have to say i was really impressed with this museum it had all these beautiful restored old trucks and jeeps and duck boats and all kinds of stuff yeah i was surprised the technology they had there you'd think being as isolated as it was it wouldn't have it but it, they had some stuff yeah, and they had an old library, which was pretty cool. Anyways, so the that transportation museum I thought was worth it. Would you tell people to stop yeah. by? Yeah, it was neat. And then 
again we did our camping thing the next day is what we if you remember we called this the glacier and iceberg day yeah that was really neat it was neat to see the icebergs floating around underneath the glacier what was is basically the glacier and where it's melting off basically about where it meets with the ocean right well there were two different spots so the first place and we were talking i'm gonna try to go for the name here jacula song close enough okay and this is like one of the largest national parks in the entire world i mean it's huge takes up something like a third of the country has a glacier that comes down and we saw and there was that whole field where it used to be glacier and the glaciers retreated so Anybody that says there's not something going on with the climate needs to go to Iceland and see some of this. But. It's pretty dramatic, the difference. I mean, it's like, there's a sign that's like miles away saying this is where it was five years ago. Yeah, it's, it, like it's amazing. how far. It, and that might be dramatic. It might have been like half a mile away. I don't know, but it's a lot. It's <laughs> more than you would expect in this short amount of time. Yes. And that was one where we actually climbed up on the glacier, went off to the side and climbed up it. Yeah, they strongly suggest not going on the glacier, but we did. But we didn't go very far. We were we were unsafe, but safe at the same time. Yeah, if you did it, if you took ropes and stuff, you'd be safe. Take ropes, have somebody belay for you, it'd be no big deal. And the big danger is? Uh, there's cracks where it'll drop off. I don't know. We couldn't see the bottom, could we? No, we couldn't. <laughs> and the bigger danger is if you had like a ice tube or an ice cave and then you step on it and collapse. it caves in on you. Yeah, it could collapse right out from underneath you. But if you had somebody belaying, it'd be a lot safer. You could so it's not impossible. No, it's not. But, you know, we didn't need to go too far out. It's just the idea of being on a glacier was pretty... That was pretty cool. Pretty amazing. And then we had to drive a little bit, and I think it was an offshoot of the same glacier that came to this lagoon. So the other one ended basically at just a black sand field and had a stream go off of it, where this other glacier ended at this beautiful blue lagoon water that ended up going right into the ocean. And that's the one that had all the icebergs floating around. Yeah, and those were neat to see. I never, I don't think I've ever seen an iceberg before, so those were neat to see. They were really pretty. And there were some seals there. Yeah. I'd never seen a seal before, or at least in the wild, so that was cool. And they were just swimming back and forth and flipping under the water. They were, I yeah. think we ended up watching them for half an hour just watching the seals. Yeah. And there's two spots. There's the spot where the seals are, which is kind of where everybody goes, but we pulled off. A little bit over and kind of had the place ourselves the icebergs weren't as dramatic they were smaller but it was kind of cool and we actually picked up a small iceberg if you remember that yeah kind of played around with it. that and drank from the ice and it was salty <laughs> i think the glacier the iceberg was clean water just Probably had the salty water, water on it <laughs> but the icebergs were pretty spectacular along with the seals and then the ring road, we actually got off the ring road. If I if if I understood the map correct, remember we the ring road went all the way out to this eastern peninsula and we took this other road, I think it was like nine three nine, and caught back up with the ring road after an hour or so, but it saved shortcut. us a couple hours. And we were in that area and we saw I don't know, 
10 different waterfalls and it was this i think this is when you were talking where you couldn't leave one waterfall before you saw the yeah, next waterfall that was it it kind of cut through the highlands didn't it yeah like there were highlands on both sides of you yep it was kind of like this valley through the highlands if you will and you were just surrounded by waterfalls they were everywhere and we were trying to figure out i mean some of these waterfalls some of them are just little trickles and you know you may say five waterfalls but it was one waterfall and it went down and had a plain area and then went down so you know it's kind of the same stream but some of these waterfalls put out so much water i know you and i we kept contemplating going where can all this water be coming from and yeah it, and it couldn't be coming from just straight rainwater yeah it couldn't be snow melt off at that point because we're towards the end of the snow melt off so i think we came to the conclusion that a lot of this there were it took ocean water and it was a spring that went and pumped it up to the middle of the highlands and flowed out from there. Yeah. That's the only that explanation. That would have to be, because they're just trillions of gallons. <laughs> it so would, much water. Some of them were, you cannot imagine that much water flowing. Yeah, that little drive was really beautiful. So the next day we got up and we were on the eastern part of the island. And this is where I had, I, I don't know, I found a name of this one waterfall and it was something like Linta Foss. All the waterfalls end in Foss, F-O-S-S. -S. But it had the Bossett columns that came up so it, it looked like, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but it looked like a bear came by, a huge bear, and kind of clawed the sides of the canyon. And I really wanted to see that. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, it looks really man-made almost. It does. I would agree with that. And, and each one, it's almost like a, a octagon pillar. And it's flat on top. And there's like hundreds and hundreds of these tied together. And I saw a photo of it. And I really wanted to go to it. And we saw it. But we were actually surprised because we kept walking on the trail. And it was Hingi Foss that we thought was more dramatic and it was kind of a I don't know how would you describe it a box canyon yeah box and it canyon. had these red bands going across it and really kind of it looked like a box canyon but like a layered cake with you know five or six different layers going up this cliff yeah the geology of it geologists would be able to tell us how much time that took <laughs> and what everything meant but Instead, what did we find when we got there or on the way there? Found a geocache, geocache, however you say it. And just, that was kind of cool. That was neat. You just randomly find that. Usually you got to look for them, but we found it. You know, and I've never been one to go look for geocache, but I think I've seen three of them, just found them, and they've all been with you. <laughs> yeah, we keep stumbling upon them. It's pretty cool. So, anyway, so we did that, and then we continued over to Mayavat, I think is how it's called. And we had um, Golafoss, which is the most powerful, most voluminous waterfall in Iceland. Yeah, and it was intense. It was loud. I mean, you could hear it from a long ways away. When you got up close, you weren't really talking to each other because it was so loud. Well, you weren't staying and dry either. You weren't staying dry. There's tons of overspray coming from it. And it mist, was, but it wasn't beautiful. It was quite ugly, actually. The water was really grayish. Yeah. And But since then, I've seen that waterfall, and it was in a movie 
uh, and I forget the name of the movie, but it was about a lady that tried to translate the arrivals, and it they translate the alien language type of thing. I think it's called the arrivals. Oh yeah. And they filmed it right there. I'm like, I remember that spot, but right next to it, just upstream, was Silifos, which I thought was way cooler. What do you think? Yeah, it was neat because you could actually go on up and basically skip, jump over the little waterfalls. You're kind of in the middle of the waterfall because it's several little waterfalls. What would you say? It was like one main one, which was a quarter the size of um, Golifoss, but there must have been a dozen little waterfalls coming off of this. And this one wasn't 100 feet tall. This was... What would you call it? 30, 30, 40 feet tall yeah. cliff, and it had a dozen little waterfalls coming off of it. Yep, and you could you could just be right on top of them. I mean, literally standing on top of them. Some of them were shallow enough you could stand in them. That was pretty cool. That was neat to be jumping right out there, having fun out there. And then we also hit the uh, Maya Vat, I think is how you pronounce it. And this is where we found the other geothermal it's like the yellowstone of iceland which is it was actually cooler i would think it's cooler than yellowstone it really just looks like mars you feel like you're on mars there's steam everywhere the ground's brown and whitish and, and then it had that dark gray mud yeah it was boiling the, the boiling mud and stuff it was it was bizarre but you had that and we also had a dormant volcano with the lake in it yeah, that was pretty underwhelming. I would agree with you there, but it was still a volcano, yeah. but it was not as dramatic as the other places. We had that lava-filled area, which is called like the Gates of Hell, and it was that black lava field. And it was just a whole field, and they had, remember, all the columns. and I mean, none of it was huge, maybe 20, 30 feet tall, but you had all that black rock and little caves in them, and... You kind of walk in between all that area. Remember all that? Yeah, those were pretty neat. Those were neat. And there was the geothermal pool, just like the Blue Lagoon, which is the one we actually went in. And the part we liked, it wasn't crowded. We didn't need a reservation. We could stay all day. And it was only 40 euro instead of 80 euro. Yeah, it was definitely worth the trip. It's a lot less Disney-fied. And then the other thing that, you know, if you're there, you want to check out, and I'm not even going to pronounce the name, but it was essentially, what would you call this, a hot springs inside of a small cave. Yeah, yeah, it was really neat. And I guess you used to be able to swim in it, but they got rid of that because people were kind of polluting it, I guess. No, no, it was, remember reading, we, we found out it was because in like 85 or something, there was an earthquake and it opened up the vent more and the temperature went from like 100 to like 115. It was too hot for people to get uh, into it. But the water could not have been clearer. Yeah, you could see the bottom easy. And was, I don't know, it was really pretty. Just And it was probably 10 to 15 feet deep and you could see everything. Yeah, it was, it was a neat place. It's worth going to. And you still have the steam rolling off the water because it's warm. It was, it was an eerie, kind of eerie. Yep, I would agree. That was kind of worth it. And then a place that, because everything we saw was nature, more or less, up to this point. But we went to Glomenberry, 
and I know I mispronounced that, but this was the turf house. Do you remember that? I remember the turf houses. And that's how they used to build their houses back for centuries, up until maybe, say, 1950s or so. And they would cut, what would you say, two foot by two foot sections of sod or turf, and they would stack them up to, you know, eight, ten feet tall, and then build a grass roof over it, and the whole building was made out of turf. And they said that they were so well insulated, they didn't need a fire inside the house. They had one in the kitchen area to cook with. Cooking. And it sounded like they built them. The rooms were separate houses, which I thought were pretty neat because they'd build what they could build, what they had time for, and then they'd add on. And it sounded like they built the kitchen first. Is that right? I, so they could cook? I would assume a kitchen and then a living area. Yeah, I think they built the kitchen first and would live in the kitchen until they could get the rest of the buildings made. And that was, oh, I thought that was kind of neat that they did what they had to do, you know. And it was much bigger than I thought it was going to be when we went in. Yeah, there's some decent room to it, especially when you get to the spots that have five or six different little buildings. Going off, and it's basically a hallway. And Yeah, they weren't connected on the inside, were they? You had to go outside, and there was a walkway going... Well, they had, they had two buildings. So what was really cool, the front of them, if you remember, had the wood facade with the windows and the doors. Two of those were connected, and there was, what, like three or four others that were turned out to be sheds and that type of thing. But all those were connected by that hallway, and you went down the hallway, and there were different rooms that came off the hallway, oh, yeah. and then yeah. it ended at their family room which the family room was actually, it was the only part that was really encapsulated in wood. The rest of it, you actually saw the turf right there. But the family room is not what you think of in America because basically the room that they did everything, they had beds on either side of it and they must have had six, eight beds. And then the mom and dad had a small little room at the end that was their bedroom. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't try to make them very dramatic, you know. It wasn't huge. They lived where they could. It, it was kind of neat. I like that. Minimalists. I, I thought it was amazing. I, I thought the whole thing, the whole turf house is definitely worth checking out when you can. So that's, after that, that's when we moseyed over. Instead of going and finishing the loop, we wanted to buzz out and do that western peninsula, which... I think it was really cool and I think less people go out there and it yeah. kind of had a little bit of everything that we'd done but a lot of troll history out there. Do you remember all that? Big thing. They were big into troll mythology I guess. That was a big deal for them. And they had one big troll statue that really doesn't look like a troll. But that was after that one slot canyon. Do you remember that? The slot canyon about the troll that... Uh, lived inside it or went inside to get something and well, I think it was wasn't it like a dad they killed his daughter so he killed one troll and trapped the other troll in this slot canyon or something I forget the whole mythology behind it but the slot canyon was really cool yeah you just kept going you get we went back in there forever and then it starts going up and you can keep going but you're gonna need you're fighting waterfalls yeah you're 
you're fighting with the water right there because the whole canyon can't be more than 10 feet across. Yeah. And then it narrows down some, but then you have the waterfall coming right through that canyon. And we spent a good hour, hour and a half up in there. Yeah. Checking that out. There's a beautiful walk along the seashore on the western peninsula. And we did that between between like two or three towns. And I forget the town names, but you can walk between the towns. And, and I think that was a lava field also at one time. I could be wrong on that. And then at the very end, we drove up and we found another glacier. Yep, going up back into the highlands, we found a glacier up there. In this Took glacier. the car about as far as you could take the car. Yeah. That's where we get into the high high clearance vehicles. Yeah, we, we went, you're driving along and you and they number the roads like A through F or something, and it depends on what. There's a letter for the high clearance vehicle roads. Yeah, and it was the. You know, if it's a main road, it's an A and, you know, B, whatever. And then when you get to Highland Roads, I think they're Fs. I could be wrong on that. And we went up this F road, which we weren't supposed to do, but we kind of went. And it was like, oh, it's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> okay, we're going to park the car right here. And we walked from there. And we were a little worried about getting the thing turned around and getting out of there. But that glacier, the first one we went to was really had a lot of mud on it. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And it, was, it almost didn't look like a glacier. It looked like a rock. But this one, this is everything you think of with a glacier. It was the white glacier, all ice, just white ice and slick. <laughs> Very slick. I remember we were struggling getting up, going up it. Didn't we almost slide down it when we were coming back? Well, yeah, we slid a few times. Uh, yeah, it was a struggle. And we saw some snowcat or something up there, but we did not see a single person. And we could see, gosh, I bet we could see, you know, two, three miles to the... You, you know. could see all the way to the coast. You could yeah, see you, the ocean. You could see the ocean there, and you could see up it and to the two sides. But we couldn't see anybody climbing or hiking or anything, but there was this snowcat out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I'm guessing it's there all the time, and they drive up to it. You think? Yeah. Hmm. Okay, but that I was. I guess I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I just it was pretty beautiful there, and we ended up getting a photo where we had the white of the snow, the black of the lava, and the blue or the green of the field down below, and then the blue of the ocean. It was pretty dramatic up yeah, there. Yeah, all the layers of the whole world. You could see them all. And do you remember the cloud cover? We were in the clouds, and you could see the ocean five miles away or whatever, and it was sunny as all get out. Yeah. It was just the clouds were sitting there right on the island. And we also did a lava tube that we thought was pretty cool. Yep, where you actually went down in, they had a spiral staircase going down into it. I don't know how deep we went into it. But Let's say 100 feet, 200 feet. Yeah, it was dark. It was dark and creepy. <laughs> At one point, they had us turn the lights off, and you could just, it was complete darkness, and you could just hear the water dripping. And he talked about how it had been like that for a million years. Yeah. And this was a something you had to pay to get in, and we thought it was pretty amazing until the last day of our trip where we found some other lava tubes that are out in the middle of nowhere and we just went to them and climbed down the ladder and checked them out. 
Yeah, and the free ones were neat because they had some spots where they caved in and the sunlight could get in. So you could actually see without the flashlights, you could see everything inside the lava tubes. So that was pretty neat. But more importantly, the colors in there. Yeah. Do you remember that? Oh, so the lava tubes are really cool. You got to check those out. And by this time, we've kind of completed the ring road and we're back in Reykjavik, the capital. So we checked out the Arbor Museum, which is they brought all these buildings. This is like the one historic type of place and they built all these buildings in and I don't think any of them were older than 1800 but they brought them from all over the country and so you could walk through this open-air museum and go into some of them were like little shacks and some were apartment complexes do you remember that yeah yeah they were pretty I mean they were neat little buildings yeah my favorite building of course was the Boy Scout hut I thought that mm -hmm. was kind of cool to see that from I don't know like 1918 it was the Iceland Boy Scouts but did you have a favorite building in there? Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember enough. Well, they try to break them up and they, they kind of put them geographically, I think. In different uh, areas. The little restaurant building. It was an old restaurant, right? It was That's like right. the tea and recipe we, from 1500 or something. And what, 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 it was, we had tea and we had like a dessert there, didn't we? Yeah, and it was all... 500 year old recipes or something i can't remember. yeah that was pretty cool and the dessert was pretty tasty yeah it was good a little pricey but pretty tasty food wise everything's expensive in iceland <laughs> would you agree yeah but camping there was free camping was free that. and the flight the there is pretty cheap we ate a lot of peanut butter and jelly <laughs> and carrots yeah we did you're correct <laughs> we both kind of went cheap when it came to the food side yeah. but they're not there's not any... We wanted to keep moving so there's no point in stopping at a restaurant and spending money. Well, that, there's not a lot of traditional Iceland food. It's mostly, you know, beef and fish. But they do eat puffin. And I do wish we had tried puffin. And maybe it wasn't in season at that time. I can't I remember. I didn't even know that part. Yeah, the puffins, they eat puffin. I would love to try one. Because that was one of the things that we both wanted to do our last day... We kind of said, well, what do we, we got one more day, what do we want to do? And what we both came up, we wanted to go out on a boat to the puffin colonies and see the puffins. We got to do it. We got to do see it. See the puffins. And I was not disappointed with it, were you? No, they were neat little things. They were, they were neat. Man, they were cool. That little colorful beak, which apparently falls off when it's not mating season. They, I didn't know that. Either. Yeah, they use that, I read, to dig the burrows and then it, the end of it falls off. And it's just the black part, the much smaller huh. part of the beak. But that was the last day, and we're on the second to last day, where we did the golden circle now, which you told everybody not to do, but you didn't say, you, you're not really meaning not to do it, you're meaning... Make sure you do the whole circle. The whole oh, ring road. Yeah. So what did you think about the golden circle? And everything can be done in a day. The golden circle was neat. It was neat. I... I still think the whole island was neater, like the actual big circle, the ring was, I thought. And I'd like to help you guys out listening to us, but I may agree 100% with them. But there were some really neat things in the Golden Circle. And the big one 
historically speaking, the thing liver is where the first parliament happened in the entire world. And it sits right in this canyon, not a big canyon. What would you say? It was like 20, 30 foot cliff yeah, on probably. each side. But what was cool is this is where on one side you had the North American plate and the other side you had the European plate and it was pulling itself apart by, I don't know, five centimeters a year or something. And so we're actually walking down the continental drift. And nowhere land. And nowhere land. We weren't, are we in America or North America? Or are we in Europe? We weren't sure. You know, it depends which side you were on. But they also had the Law Rock, which is where the parliament happened. And they, every two years or something, they all, yeah, that was some all rich the chiefs. History. Yeah. It was, and that was what, what time period was that? A thousand years? Roughly. That would have been, they, I think they settled there in 980-ish A.D., and this would have been all the way up to the Middle Ages or later. So yeah, the stuff there a thousand years old, that was pretty neat. Yeah. That was the oldest stuff I'd seen. Shane's seen some stuff in Europe that's older. No, oh, I see what you're saying. But in Iceland that was that's where you go to see the oldest stuff. Yeah. And that and that Arbor Museum that we just talked about. Of course we have to talk about the geyser. Do you this have... is the uh, what is it in Yellowstone? Old Faithful. This is the Old Faithful of Iceland. Except the one in Iceland is bigger, taller, more reliable, quicker than the one in Yellowstone. Yeah. And the word geyser actually came from not the one we saw, but one that's now relatively inactive called geyser. And that, I didn't know that until we got there, that all geysers are called geysers because of this other one. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But This it, one was really, this was like five minutes, wasn't it? It was really often. Within five to eight minutes, something like See, that. Old Faithful's like 45 minutes to an hour or something. It's a lot. You got to wait forever for Old Faithful. Oh, I remember sitting waiting for this one. And I think we had two of them go off while you're telling me the story about how you took your stepkids to Old Faithful in Yellowstone, and you were waiting for it to blow, and right when it blowed, so one of your kids wanted you to in. tie your his shoelace or something, and you missed the Old Faithful. Yeah, and at that point, like a blizzard had come through, so you couldn't see it anyways. It was just a whiteout, so missed it completely, and it wasn't worth waiting another 45 minutes. So If you go here, you don't have to wait. It, it'll shoot off five or six times while you're there. Which is amazing because you can get different types of photos and videos from different angles, and yeah. it's pretty awesome. And then right there, of course, you got to see a waterfall, no matter where you are. And you had Golafoss, which actually was a pretty waterfall, but not nearly as beautiful as some of the ones we've seen around the Ring Road. It was an intense one too. It pushed a lot of water. A lot of gallons came through from it. It did, and it was, um, if I remember, it was a three-tiered waterfall. But it didn't just drop straight off. It kind of like each drop was at an angle one way and then it dropped off at an angle the other way. Yeah. And yeah. so it was pretty cool. It, it did have some some photogenic qualities to it. But like we're saying, there are waterfalls everywhere. And we definitely saw some more beautiful ones. But it's not a bad one if it's going to be your only one to see. Yeah. 
And then we finished with the lava tubes, and I don't think we really saw anything else, did we? In the Continental Divide there, we went to the sand. We picked up some of the sand. I don't know if that's legal or not. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're talking at the bridge between the continents. Yeah. It was like this pedestrian bridge that they had between these two cliffs that were, I don't know, maybe 15 feet tall. And there was a valley in between them that was black sand. Yeah, the one spot where you could actually walk from North America to Europe. And back. Plate to plate. <laughs> yeah, and back. And, and that sand was, it was black sand because it was volcanic, but it, it was, was really soft. It was really fine. It was broke down. It had a lot of time to break down, apparently. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I forgot about that. So that kind of brings us, we've gone all the way around Iceland. We did the Western Peninsula. We did the Golden Circle. Is there any anything that was your favorite? Is there anything that you didn't like? I don't know if there was anything I didn't like, but what I thought was the neatest was the waterfall with the Slot Canyon going to it. It was just so eerie and mystical, and it was just a really neat, really original, unique place. And that was your first day. That was the first day, so that pretty well trumped the rest. I mean, you you, you got to see it all. I mean, it's all just incredible, from the geothermal activity to the waterfalls to the, the glaciers. It was just all very dramatic stuff. Well, the thing that I was, in, I mean, I will never find another country as beautiful as Iceland. Would yeah, you agree with that statement? It'd be tough. It'd be tough. But it seemed like every day we had stuff grouped together and we almost started calling it, oh, yesterday was our waterfall day, even though we saw more, but we saw the Slot Canyon and the one we got behind. And then we had the Glacier and Iceberg Day. And then we had the geothermal day and then we had the you know so it was, it was kind of cool how we had all these different things all the way around yeah things that you typically you go somewhere to see a waterfall like you take your whole trip to see waterfalls and then you'll take another trip a year later to see the geothermal activity and you'll take another trip to see the ocean but it's all right there in one spot like it's all all bundled into one we were supposed to have 10 days, but by the time you got there because of your delay, we had nine days. I don't feel like we were pushing to get to see everything in nine days. I feel like it was a perfect amount of time. Yeah, that would be just about right. Because we didn't have a lot of extra time left over either. Yeah, if, if that's just about right. 10 days is just about right, I mean, to see it all. So... Let's go ahead and, and close up. Do you have any final statements about Iceland you'd like to tell everyone? Nah, you're never going to see anything like it. It's a very incredible place, and it's got everything everything you'd ever want to go on a trip to see. It's got it there. Awesome. Okay, everyone, this is Captain Shane with Eric. We've been talking about Iceland. We're going to tell you goodbye, and I pray you have fair winds and following seas. I look forward to having you on the next podcast.